0: Chairman of Involved Investors, and in this third podcast, we're going to get down to business. What is business? These are my personal views gleaned over 60 years in business. During that time, I've owned and been heavily involved in probably over a hundred companies across a broad spectrum of trades. So, to me, business can be defined as the identification of a need and the fulfillment of that need at a profit. Profit is very important, and we'll talk about that in later podcasts. The need may be perceived or not, and it may be just a desire or not. For example, let's take communications. We all know we need to communicate, but none of us in the 60s knew that we needed a mobile phone. We communicated by wired telephones, and before that, in other ways. The first mobile phone was invented by Martin Cooper, a Motorola researcher who recorded by mobile phone a call on April the 3rd 1973. Another example, at the end of the millennium we all owned or wanted a camera, but none of us knew we wanted a camera in a mobile phone. The first of those was installed by Nokia in 2002. And the photograph of the year was awarded by the Photographic Institute a couple of years ago to somebody who'd taken a photo on a mobile phone and it proved to be better than all the sophisticated professional cameras out there. In the mid-90s my wife and I had what turned out to be a seminal meet-up in a St Martin's Lane restaurant in London with a much younger, six foot six, very impressive Dutch second cousin. It was a meeting to change our lives. Marco was an internationally educated investment banker, working with Merrill Lynch in Berlin to open up their East European desk. He was sick of banking and came to London looking for something else, initially in the banking area, but then... entrepreneurial juices started to flow. I just relinquished executive control of our family control PLC and had moved across to non-exec chairman and I had time on my hands. Actually I was working for British executive services overseas and it was a very interesting stint. I'll revert to many of these stories in later podcasts but the point is that over the next eight years together we started and built seven companies, we sold all of them very successfully and we kept one which we still co-own to this day. Marco and I were similar we hugely enjoyed starting companies giving them healthy roots and then we got rather bored and wanted to start something else and we sold them on to secondary management who if they were good grew them and gave them wings. So we gave them roots and they gave them wings And all of them are still operating to this day. One of them, as far as I know, I'm not absolutely certain because it's changed its name a few times. Four of these companies were conceived on the principle of piggybacking on other people's assets, which is actually the title of this podcast. And I emphasize that was piggybacking on their assets to mutual advantage, to theirs and to ours. All of our companies were built from a very, very small amount. I think it was 2,000 pounds. All of the companies came from that and from their own cash flow. We never borrowed externally. We had an overdraft we didn't use, very small one, which we never used. But we never borrowed externally and we never brought in any external investment. So none of them were diluted and we sold them all at 50-50 ownership. It can be done. And it's rather ironic that involved investors today Helps company to raise initial funds whereas we managed to build all these companies without any external funding. The first of these companies which adopted the principle of piggybacking was T4 Media. All of them incidentally were spun out of traffic management products which was our initial company which had a very close relationship with car parks and the parking industry for reasons you'll learn later. C4 Media was conceived as a media-owning business on the principle that people needed to see outdoor advertising. Outdoor advertising is a very complex business and actually very much geared against newcomers and new incumbents, despite two Office of Fair Trading inquiries. We got into it because our product had a huge advantage. External advertising is measured by the movement of people's eyes towards an advert. They don't need to read it, but if their eyes move towards it, checked by a very clever pair of glasses which are worn and which detect eye movement, then it counts as an opportunity to see. So if you're driving along and your eyes move to the right to a wall where there's an advert, that's an opportunity to see. We managed to produce a product which was a guaranteed to see. And we did that by putting advertising on other people's assets. To start with, on car park barriers and ticket machines. Where you drove into some car park, the location of the car park was, was what was important. So for example, you drove into an airport where people are going to fly or meet and greet. You drove out of an airport where people were going to driving to the new country where they'd just arrived or go home, or a shopping center where people were going to shop. You drove in and you saw the barrier as it rose or you've hit it and therefore it was a guaranteed sighting of an advert which was on it. We then moved from there into train stations and ticket machinery in train stations is there to spit, as they call it, spit tickets and count people going in and out of the platforms. We added to that, we added the facility of advertising which told them if they were going home what was going to be on television that night, told them what they could do in that evening, what sort of food to eat etc etc, where the local restaurants might be. And when they were coming in in the morning it told them which computers they should be using, what they could where they could go for their lunch and other business products. So it was extremely geared to the movement of people. And the ticket machinery was used as a funnel for those people who were had particular needs and interests. We acquired through that company, a company which advertised on petrol nozzles and does to this day. Again, a product which was there specifically to pour petrol into your vehicle in a safe manner. But there's a lot of dwell time there and people look around them. Well, if they looked at the nozzle now, and if you look at the nozzle now, you'll pretty certainly see advertising by T4 Media. So those are two examples with that one company, T4 Media, how we piggybacked on other people's assets and they benefited from that because we paid rental For the equipment on which we advertised. The second company was in a totally different area. It was in actually car parks. Car parks had a great need to expand. There, as I've said before, there was infinite demand for finite space and certain car parks had ground level, could not expand above that ground level because unfortunately, they couldn't relinquish the car parking space below. For example, a car park owned by an airport is required to be open to allow passengers to park their cars, and more importantly, even than that, or as important, staff to park their cars. You've got to get the air crews to the aircraft, you've got to get the cleaners into the airport, you've got to get the shopkeepers into the airport, etc., etc. So they couldn't relinquish the car parking space, which was finite. As another example, a hospital, that's the lung of the hospital. If you can't park the people who work in that hospital, the medical people, and again, the essential cleaning staff and others, the hospital can't possibly operate, let alone the visitors who are so important for the mental health of patients. And so we devised a system whereby we could actually build a first floor deck across the top of a ground level car park without relinquishing more than 10% of the space of the car park underneath and we did that in a modular format where you built over say 10% of the car park closed the bottom level opened the bottom level once the top was built and then opened the second tranche of 10% and then closed the second tranche of 10% and built over the top of it Before we started that project, there were insurmountable problems. One was that car parks just did not have the capital to pay for the car park construction. And the second was one of planning permission, which has been the blight of development in this country for so long. We devised answers to both those challenges. Firstly, we... We came up with answers to both those challenges. The first was quite interesting, actually. I phoned our accountant up and I said, Andrew, can you tell me the difference between a fixture and a fitting? And he said, for goodness sake, Paul, how long have you been in business? You know that. So I said, please read it to me. Please tell me exactly what the difference is. And he said, well, it's quite obvious. I mean, a fixture is a fixture and a fitting can be moved. So I said is there any top restriction on the size of a fitting and he looks up in the books and he says no not really he says as long as it's movable it's a fitting so I said so a car park deck can be a fitting if it's movable so I said well I'm not sure about that but I'll check and he came back and he said I see no reason why it couldn't be a fitting if it's movable so we did this by constructing a movable demountable deck the one we built has got 350 car spaces and I doubt if it'll ever be moved but it could be. The second with planning was basically very simple, it was to make the top deck look very beautiful with planting and overhanging uh, foliage etc etc and very nice cladding on the, on the sides and the planners were delighted it looked a lot better than the car park had underneath. So that was number two where the hospital benefited enormously. The staff benefited, the visitors benefited and of course we benefited too by leasing the space in the car park. So that was TMP Park over. The third example is in the storage business. Basically in early days the self-storage business and the locations of those businesses were quite a long way from people's homes, particularly the people who could really afford and needed the self-storage, those with fairly high income levels who had toys and extra clothes, winter clothes, summer clothes, surfers, uh, mountain bikes, etc., and lived in fairly tight apartments in central London, in the most desirable places you can live, in Mayfair and uh, Pimlico and places like that. And they had no self-storage near them and it was rather inconvenient to drive across the river or to drive up to North London or West London or wherever. We found a way of putting storage right under their homes by using other people's assets, by using the unused space under buildings. For various reasons, there's a lot of space under buildings. The foundations in London have to go very deep and some of them can't be used for conventional, typical car parking or, or any other means and they are unutilized and we devised methods of using those spaces to put in the self-storage units and the business which we co-own with an amazing family who run it has been very successful. We then moved into modular homes for key workers That really wasn't built on other people's assets unless you consider land other people's assets, which I suppose in a way it is. But nevertheless, it was a great, interesting project for us and probably the most exciting we've adopted, about which I'll tell you later. I've got lots more to tell you. But for now, I'm very shortly going to end. Many of you are going to dream of having your own businesses. In fact, at some stage of our lives, most of us do. And I'll talk more in the future about the attributes you'll need. For those of you who have the courage to try, I'm afraid that I'm sorry to tell you that 90% will fail. So for a start, I urge you to have the undying self-belief that you'll be in the 10% which succeeds. And then you've got to have the passion and the tenacity to achieve that, and you can, and many do, and many do who failed before, because those are the best lessons you can possibly get. Good luck, and for starters, take a look at other people's assets, see if you can enhance them to mutual advantage, and carpe diem, seize the day, because the opportunities on now, go for it, and goodbye for now.